Well, uh, good morning. It is so good that you're here today. Uh, my name's Derwin, and uh, I love this church. I uh, hope you feel at home, especially if you're new. It's great to have you with us. A um, couple of things to start us off, uh, both a celebration and a lament. Um, celebration to start, though, is Caden and Ellie are here this morning, and uh, they got engaged last week. So they're, that's this couple right here. Congratulations, you two. We are cheering you on. Do you know when you're getting married? Okay. Next week is what I heard. Next week? That seems soon to me, but next week is fine. You guys can, you know, pull it off. We'll all chip in. Um, and then, and then uh, some of you would know and be very familiar with uh, our, our good friends, Glenn and, and uh, Christine Barber. Glenn's parents, who were at this church, planted here for many, many years. I believe there were global workers from this church. Glenn, uh, Glenn's dad, Jerry, passed away just uh, middle of this week. And so uh, um, this was kind of their home, home when they, they went off and lived in different places. And so probably Hillside will be holding a service for Jerry Barber sometime this fall. So uh, you can be praying for Glenn and his, his brothers and sister, I think, uh, Obviously, a significant loss for them. Okay, well, this morning we are kind of wrapping up our quick little series. I mean, after being in the Gospel of Matthew like forever, you guys are not used to a three-week series. So this is just a three-weeker. Uh, this little series called Becoming Whole, Finding Healing and Hope in Jesus. Now, if you were to ask any number of people, people why Jesus came you'd probably get any number of responses and answers from them. Everything from he came to bring world peace, he came to teach us the way of love, he came to show us the way to get to heaven after we die, on and on it goes, much of it based in some truth, partial truth. But wouldn't it be better if we let Jesus actually speak for himself? In, in Mark and Luke's gospel, Jesus steps into the scene one Sunday morning, it's probably actually Saturday morning, uh, on a Sabbath uh, in a synagogue, and he reaches back to the, to the four, uh, 400-year-old pro- prophecy to tell us why he'd come. He quotes from Isaiah 61, which goes like this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. What's he saying? (laughs) It has something to do with good news, with healing hearts, with setting someone free. And and I'd say Jesus could have chosen any number of a thousand other passages to explain his life purpose, but he didn't. He chose this one because I think it's at the heart of his mission. Effectively, Jesus says, I've come to give you back your hearts. I've come to set you free. And he's come for us. And he comes as a healer, the one who binds up the brokenhearted, and he, he desires to make us whole. And so after this message this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to, to share in the Lord's Supper, the, the bread and the cup, which point to the, the sacrifice Jesus gave on our behalf, and then we'll have a time of healing prayer. Our elders and some of our prayer team are going to be right back there against the back wall, willing to pray for you if you'd like prayer for wholeness in your life. We're going to invite Jesus to do some of his healing work here today. Does that sound good? Amen. Amen. Now, why would we need this healing? 
Well, as I shared a couple weeks ago, it doesn't matter how together you look on the outside. <laughs> Most of us are a little less together on the inside, right? Just a little less. Some of you are really great, and you're just like, just, you know, I'm just kidding, actually. Most of you have what I talked about a couple weeks ago, a secret sorrow or a secret, secret shame. As, as uh, Rod Wilson, a president of, former president of Regent, used to say, most of us have kind of a parallel track. You have this track of where everything's going well, and you have this parallel track of, of suffering of some kind. I love the story I heard years ago. A, a friend gave American poet Dorothy Parker a small alligator. Apparently, this was the thing back in the 70s and 80s. You gave, like, baby alligators to people as pets. I don't think it's a great idea. And she didn't know what to do with it, so she put it into her bathtub until she could figure out, what do I do with this thing? And then she left for an appointment. And when she returned, she found this note from her housekeeper. I quit. <laughs> I refuse to work in a house where there is an alligator in the bathtub. I would have told you before, but I didn't think it would ever come up. <laughs> and I would say that each of, each of us, in some corner of our lives, have alligators tucked away. And, and, and for many of us, we've learned how to coexist somewhat comfortably with our alligators, with our creatures. But actually, they eventually do us harm. And we choose harmful ways to cope most often and they scare the neighbors. <laughs> At our uh, Discover Hillside class this last Tuesday, I talked about how when I was a teenager, um, I had a temper. <laughs> I was an angry guy. I, it didn't take much to set me off. I, my poor parents, they got the worst of it. My wicked, wicked temper. And then one summer at summer camp, I met Jesus, and Jesus immediately turned my life upside down. I came back a changed guy. I came back to school, I was just entering grade 12, and not long into the school year, I was sitting in class, uh, actually it was a break, and our teacher was out of the room, and, and I was leaning back on my chair like kids, like teenagers like to do, and a guy, Paula Point, I remember his name, interestingly enough, came by and tipped my chair, so I went falling and sprawling, and, and funny enough, Paul ran from the room because he knew the Derwin that had a temper and who'd come chasing him down. Only that didn't happen. In that, in that moment, it was interesting. I, I sprawled there on the floor and this remarkable thing happened. I just remember this calm coming over me and I felt okay with it. I actually laughed at this joke that he had pulled on me. And I thought, what happened to this Derwin I knew of old? <laughs> and actually that year, friend after friend said, Derwin, you're a different guy. There's I don't know what happened to you, but Jesus actually did a major miracle in my life, and one of the signs of his, his work in me was my anger. But as I also confessed to the class on Tuesday, I've since learned that there's still a lot of anger in me. It's just quieter. It's far more subversive. It's kind of lurking in the background of my life, but it's kind of always there. It's like an alligator in the bathtub. And those who are close to me, they know about it. My family especially knows about it. My wife knows about it. They're well aware. It impacts them. And it impacts me. And one of the things my anger does is it steals my joy. And I feel like I've been on this ongoing journey with Jesus for like the last 30 plus years of where he's been working slowly on this life to uncover this sickness in me. 
And I sense he continues to want to heal me in this area. And he's been doing that. In Jesus, there's such good news. As the author of Hebrews has reminded us in Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. He can empathize with us because he's been through it. He knows our human condition. He understands it. He knows what it's like to live in a broken world with all its pressures and temptations. He knows what it's like to suffer. I mean, the prophet Isaiah, he, he named him the, the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. For those of you who this morning who carry grief or anxiety or you wrestle on and on with mental health issues that just seem to raise their head maybe every day, or for those of you who are carrying sorrow or suffering, there is hope for us in Jesus because I want to tell you, friends, Jesus knows, Jesus cares, he understands, and we don't ever have to run or hide from him. More than that, some of the most remarkable news is Jesus can take our suffering and our brokenness and that storyline of our lives and not just meet us in those places and show us empathy. He can actually use those things to grow us and amazingly to make us more whole and also to bless others. It's often out of our brokenness that we are actually able to bless the world. It's, as Paul said, it's our weakness where we're strong. It's not our strengths. So turn with me if you have your Bibles. We're going to look at the next chapter, chapter 5 of Hebrews 5. And we're going to take a, a walk through, it's going to be a quick walk through, just a few verses and see where Jesus might want to lead us this morning. Hebrews chapter 5. It's kind of at the tail end of your Bible. If you have an app, it's easy. You can just type in Hebrews 5. Starting with verse 1, the author of Hebrews is carrying on this thought about Jesus being our high priest. And he kind of starts with giving a job description of what a priest does. And this is helpful for us in, in our day where we might not actually know, you know, what a priest does. It's not familiar terms for us. But verse 1 says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. I, I think that's a helpful description of a priest. The author is saying Jesus fits this in every way. Jesus is one of us. He, he's our high priest representing us to God, to the Father, and he offers gifts or sacrifices for our sins. And we see so clearly that this is what Jesus does for us on the cross. There's actually never been a priest like Jesus. <laughs> he offers not some third party to, the, to, to make atonement. He offers himself on our behalf. He's the perfect sacrifice. And, and I want to say this. I draw one conclusion from this this morning. That's how seriously Jesus takes your healing and takes my healing. That, that's how serious Jesus is about making you whole. He was willing to die to do that in you, to purchase it, our freedom, our our renewal. The next verse just kind of expands on this good news. Listen to this. Verse 2 says, He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Uh, two important things to point out here. The, the powerful first line, for one. He, I love this. 
He is able to deal gently with us. Yes, we are broken, and often we're quite ignorant of our brokenness. As Isaiah said, we all, like sheep, go astray. And yet Jesus deals gently with us. He's a good shepherd. That's, that's the kind of healer he is. Jesus is not, whatever image you might have, he's not some angry preacher. or He's not harsh. He's not rough. He's not judgmental towards us. He's tender. He's kind. He's gentle. I've shared with some of you before, it really reminds me of a scene from, from the film The Horse Whisperer years ago, featured uh, Robert Redford, who played Tom Booker, and he's this rancher in Montana. And, and Booker has this special gift. Uh, he's a horse whisperer. Of, he can heal horses. And the story follows this tense New York magazine editor who can't believe her eyes as she witnesses Booker bringing healing to her daughter's traumatized and seriously injured horse. And in my favorite scene, the, the, the horse is frightened by the edi editor's cell phone ringing and, and the, the horse gallops off to the far end of this large, large pasture. And Booker just kind of calmly walks into the meadow and he, he squats down and he just looks towards the horse and he waits for what seems like hours. And the horse, drawn by its curiosity, inches closer and closer and finally, it cautiously approaches enough to touch the whisperer and allow itself to be led back to safety. That's the way of Jesus. He gently waits for us. He's, he's so patient. He's, he's the human whisperer. He, he knows the kind of trauma we've experienced or the hurts or the woundedness or the anxiety or the fear. And he comes to us in those places and he comes gently and patiently. Why is he so gentle? Well, it says he is able to deal gently since he himself is subject to weakness. Jesus, God in the flesh, subject to weakness. The late Timothy Keller suggests this reason for it. He says, there is no way to have relationship without becoming vulnerable to hurt. He says, Christmas or the incarnation tells us that God became breakable and fragile. God became someone we could hurt. Why? To get us back. No other religion, whether secularism, Greco-Roman paganism, Eastern religion, Judaism, or Islam believes God became breakable or suffered or had a body. So Jesus, God in the flesh, that breakable and fragile. And in doing so, he understands what it's like to be us. And, and this being so, it means Jesus actually becomes a model for us of how we can respond to the brokenness and the um, pain and suffering that we experience in our lives. Jump down to verse 7, where it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Uh, this verse kind of pivots from all the theological grand, groundwork that the author has been laying about Jesus, and it turns and gives us a window into Jesus' experience. We're told that Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. 
Um, fervent cries and tears may sound a little bit clinical to us. I, I can just imagine this is not so clinical for Jesus. In, in brokenness he faced, in deaths of friends, in his own trauma, he cries out to God. There's this pouring out of emotion. And I wonder, have you ever been there? <laughs> you know, uh, where your hurt or your grief or your despair has been so great it led you to cry out to God? I mean, it led you to, to just weep in desperation? You, have, you, have you ever been broken, so broken by something or so broken about a loss or a hurt that nothing else you could do but almost groan? Like it, it's almost guttural? You know, my son uh, Caleb, when he was four years old, uh, he got his foot caught in a gas lawnmower at a family member's house and uh, ended up losing a toe, and he's, he's okay. But in the moment, in, that, in those days, when I heard what happened, when the incident was described to me, I literally collapsed on the ground, groaning before God. I'd never felt anything like that before. Jesus has. Jesus knows this. This is so important. Jesus models for us that it is emotionally healthy to feel, to even feel grief or pain, to even feel those negative emotions. There's no sort of stuffing it with Jesus. There's no stiff upper lip. Some of us have a tendency, I think, sometimes coming from our culture of origin or coming from our families of origin to deny or feel ashamed at our negative emotions. And the life of Jesus, Scripture teaches us that it is healthy to feel. So again, it says, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Scholars tell us this likely points back to Jesus' experience in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus wrestles with God, wrestles with his Father. He has this very human response to the pain that was coming for him. He knew the cross was ahead, and he prays, if it is possible, O Father, take this cup from me. I, I think that is such a gift to us. That one little passage of Scripture is essential material for us. Because if God the Son can, can cry out in desperation like that, can we not... Can we, can we not have that kind of thing? There, there's something just profoundly honest and human about Jesus bringing his, his pain and his anguish and even maybe his doubts to the Father. And we can do the same. It was C.S. Lewis who said, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Jesus it says his prayers were heard because of his reverent submission. His prayer was, thy will be done. After he poured out his heart to God, he also went on to pray that amazing line in reverent submission. But Jesus, he submits himself to the Heavenly Father. He yields his whole life to God. And I think, why? He learned over his lifetime what his father was like. He learned that the Heavenly Father was someone he could trust. I, I don't think, guys, I don't think Jesus came out of the womb knowing everything there was to do, know about the Father. He learned about the Heavenly Father kind of like you and I do. 
His mama probably told him that he had a heavenly father. His parents probably informed his faith in the early days. It wasn't just downloaded by the Spirit from heaven in those early moments. He learned like we did. And over a course of a lifetime, short though it was, Jesus became convinced in the goodness of his father. He became convinced that, that God could do good things out of his trouble. Jesus, his life was really the inspiration for the the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, where it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And then in verse 8, we learn some of the good God can bring through suffering. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. (laughs) Now, this can be confusing for us because the verse could imply that Jesus was not obedient, that he had been disobedient in some way. And that would throw actually quite a bit of our theology under the bus, right? Like we would actually struggle with that to understand. And it doesn't make sense actually in the book of Hebrews since the rest of the book of Hebrews really talks about the sinlessness of Jesus, that Jesus hadn't been disobedient. He'd never disobeyed. Commentator Albert Moeller uh, explains it this way. He says, this verse highlights the humanity of Jesus. As Jesus experienced the trials associated with human existence, he learned how to obey his Father in them. Suffering taught Jesus how to submit his will to the Father's will. He says, we see this lesson at its sharpest point in Gethsemane and Calvary. The cross meant terrible agony of heart and body for Christ, but he remained resolute in his willingness to be obedient, even obedient to the point of death. Somehow, trials and suffering were instrumental in Jesus' formation, and it taught him something about yielding himself to the will of the Father, to, to God. And, and it, I think suffering and trials and our own storyline of brokenness actually has something to teach us about yielding our lives to God and surrendering our hearts to him. Verse 9 we get the result of his obedience. Listen to this. It just says, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who, who uh, obey him. Such a casual throwout line. He became the source of all eternal salvation for everyone who will obey him, who everyone who responds. You see, God took the suffering of Jesus, the willingness of Jesus to go through it, not avoid it, to go to the cross, and God turned it into a remarkable thing, healing for the nations for everyone who turned to him. Hope for eternal salvation. So good. Amen? It's really great. So this morning, uh, we learned from Jesus a couple of really important things. First, in the midst of our brokenness and the suffering that we face and we encounter, we can pray our pain. God the Father is not freaked out by your expressions of honest emotion to him. Can can I say this? You can pray your depression to God. You you can bring it before him. You you can feel like you have no words to pray. If you're in a place of real grief and pain, you don't actually have to get yourself together before you present it to the Father. It's a... God, the Father... Jesus and the the Spirit, the Trinity, are a come-as-you-are culture. You truly can come as you are to Him, and we can entrust our pain to Him, to the Father. 
We can pray like Jesus if it's possible. Take this cup from me. We can pray like Paul if it's possible. Take this thorn from me. We can pray that, and sometimes the kingdom breaks through in remarkable healing in a moment, like I got healed from my temper tantrums that I had back when I was a teen. We can experience deliverance and breakthrough in the most amazing ways. And folks, we believe for that, we pray for that, and sometimes there's a what uh, some have called a kairos moment, a, a now moment where this is the day for that kind of breakthrough. And so we're going to humbly, boldly pray for that today. Some of, you, some of you have something in your life and you just go, I, I need help with that. I, I, I know that there's an alligator in me and, and today we're going to have our, our prayer team, the elders, they're going to be on hand to pray with you for that kind of breakthrough, that God would meet you in that place and heal you and deliver you. Did anyone want that today? I hope you do, right? I, I, I sense some of us, um, man, we're so happy to keep this kind of our thing and keep it our secret and never bring it out. And it's interestingly enough that the, the brother Jesus, brother James said, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. That's where, We're hoping some of that will happen today. If you've got a sin that you want to just bring... Uh, the Father would love to hear that this morning and, and through that experience of confessing that to one of our prayer team, you might actually receive healing in that moment. So good. Secondly, we also learn from Jesus how God can take our brokenness and our suffering and shape us through it. I like what Charles Dickens said in his novel, Great Expectations. He said, suffering has been stronger than all other teaching and has brought me to understand. I have been bent and broken but I hope into a better shape. <laughs> we live in a broken world, and yet these troubles can be used by God in his amazing work to build and form Christ-like character in us. Some of you know that. Some of you have great stories. Some of the, the saints of old, people who you know, you look up to, uh, you know why they're so strong in faith is because they went through some really awful stuff, and God helped them through it. Many of you know uh, Brené Brown, sort of popular uh, author and speaker. A few years ago, Brené Brown described uh, what, what she called a breakdown that propelled her to go back to church. She said this uh, a while back in a video interview. She says, I definitely went back to church for all the wrong reasons. I really went because this is hard and this hurts. And in all the midlife unraveling books, they say, go back to church. That's what everybody does. So I went, I don't know if they do that in Canada. I don't know if people go back to church in Canada, but they should. So she went back to church thinking that it would be like an epidural, like it would take the pain away, like I would just replace research with church. You know, the, the church would make the pain go away. Then I discovered that faith in church was not like an epidural at all. It was like a midwife who just stood next to me and said, push, it's supposed to hurt. That's the reality sometimes. Life does hurt sometimes, and sometimes a lot. But the good news is that in Jesus, we're not alone in it. And in his community, we're really not alone in it. Jesus understands. Jesus knows. And we want to, he wants to meet us in those places. And I sense God wants to do that this morning. He may want to heal your hurt, but he certainly wants to bring comfort to you in your hurt, in your brokenness. God can take all of that, all, all, all the mess of who you are underneath the surface, the, the not-together parts, and 
he can take that and birth something beautiful from it. Whatever we go through, God can work in and through it and grow us to make us whole like Jesus. I want to I wrap up with one question. It's a question Jesus asked a crippled, broken man who'd been crippled, I think, all his life. It says in John 6, when Jesus saw this guy lying there, this cripple, and knew that he'd been now a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? That's the question. It's a question I think Jesus wants to ask you this morning. Do you want to be made whole? If you do, if, if God's been kind of putting his finger on something and you want to bring it to him today, this could start a journey of healing in your life that would change everything. There's no question about Jesus' response to, to those who come to him. Do you know how he responds? Gently. He deals gently with those who've gone astray. He deals tenderly, gently with those. He's come, as uh, Isaiah says, he's come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Uh, one of the main ways he does this is he does it through the cross. We, we actually celebrate about a month, on a monthly basis, we celebrate the, the cup and the cup and the bread representing the life of Jesus poured out for us. Listen to Isaiah's description of what this did for us. Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Friends, we've never been loved like that. He took up our pain, our hurt, our injury, our suffering. He's wounded for our woundedness so that we might be healed. Jesus is our wounded healer. And so we're going to have this time now where we're going to invite our prayer team. And, and prayer team, I'm going to invite you to go right now. Just uh, go stand at the back along that sort of back wall. Please, uh, I invite you to go. Angel, you're on that team. Get going. Come on. Show the, lead the way. Like hesitant, hesitant people. Uh, uh, they're going to be spread out there. And I'm just going to encourage you, I remind you that our prayer team, they're entirely confidential. They will not tell anyone what you're going through. But you can go and respond and just receive prayer from them, from them and they would love to, to bless you in that moment. They'll just bless what God is doing as you come to them. And while they're, while they're there ready to pray for you, uh, the rest of us will share in the communion cup and, and the, the bread. And uh, we uh, encourage at Hillside just to, you to come uh, up the front aisles. Today, it's going to be self-serve. You just grab a cup and a cracker. They're rice crackers, so they're gluten-free. And uh, just you can take that back to your seat, and you can take it when you'd like to take it. But as you're taking it, remember that, that this preceded, this, this em these emblems really point to the healing work of Jesus that he did on the cross for us. Jesus is so after you and your healing that he did all that on our behalf. So we're going to invite you to come as you're willing. And then, and then if you don't go for prayer, although I think... Many of you should, but if you don't go for prayer, please feel free to go back to your seats and use it as a time of reflection and prayer for yourself as we 
um, have some music playing, and we can respond as the Spirit leads us. Sound okay? Let me just pause for a moment and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've come. Thank you, Lord, that you became breakable and fragile, and you, in your weakness, are able to sympathize with our weakness. God, we've sensed this morning that you want to make us whole, and so we pray in these moments of reflection and quiet, we pray, would you indeed, Lord, pour out your healing on your people? Would you help us in those places of our hearts and lives where we need your touch? And we thank you, Lord, for the cup and the bread, uh, that these emblems would, again, remind us of your great love for us. Pour it out, your life given to purchase our freedom and our wholeness. We give you thanks for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.